there any brand mascots that you would fuck? Brand mascot? Yeah, like the M&M's. Tucker Carlson, he doesn't like the M&M's anymore because they're not sexy. I don't know, maybe like a tube of toothpaste. Wait, <laughs> I don't think you understood the question. No. Introduce the show. What's up, y'all? I'm Nolan. Stacy. Melanie. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. How's everybody doing? I'm bothered by your answer of toothpaste. Well, it's a hole and it's technically lubricated. I don't know why we gotta be so foul at the top of the show. It Normally, that's like the MFK is when this comes out, but I'm very well, Nolan. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. Uh, hell of a start, that's what I say. Yeah. I'm great. Today's episode, we're going to be celebrating my birth. We do this kind of a yearly tradition now. I, this is our second year, I think, doing this on the show. Maybe the fourth year we've done this, just yes. in general, watching some movies that I have programmed for us. It's, it's a fun time. So anyway, we're going to be doing that today. But first off, what's everybody drinking? Tennessee bourbon. Having that with uh, some soda. I'm having a tall brown sugar shaken espresso with a little bit of oat milk and Bailey's. I'm having a Samuel Smith's organic chocolate stout, and it is very, very delicious. This Product is like one of the, the UK. The gifts I picked out for you. It is. Melanie got me a lovely six pack of beers. Are we ready to get into Nolan's birthday movie watching bash? To set this up, the way that this experiencing it. You come with three films, nobody knows what they are, you don't give us any hints about the theme or what type of genre you're going with, yep. and it's just whatever you come up with, you curate it. Whatever I'm feeling. So did you have a theme this yep. year? Yeah, so this year's theme is called, you're, you'll want to get high for this, which sadly we didn't, that was a fail on <laughs> my part in general, but uh, we'll save that for another day. But yes, you'll want to get high for this, Stoner Cinema. So we've got three films today, and uh, I don't really know if these are actual genres, but the stoner action film, the stoner western, and the stoner comedy. Our first film of the night, 1983's Zoo Warriors from the Magic Mountain, directed by Chu Hawk. Deep in the heart of every culture lives a legend that will not die, for it is told of an enchanted mountain whose dark and vengeful spirit possesses the power to destroy all mankind. But now the courage of one man must rise to uncover the only weapon on Earth with the power to bring about its destruction. I had, This was my third Chuhawk film, and I enjoy him very much. He has a wide range of films he's directed and so i mean there's a lot that any of us have have seen um it, yes sorry most famously he's probably known for the once upon a time in well, china films yeah, absolutely he's made a ton of big budget films in, in china i have seen the butterfly murders and we we all watched double team a couple years ago so uh yeah uh your guys experience with uh, mr hawk honestly i have not watched that much it's on my to-do list, especially the Once Upon a Time in China. The, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd like to check those out. It's a big gap for me. Sure. Yeah, for me as well. I think this is maybe his third film that I've seen, so I've seen very little. 
I was blown away. Probably, and not that it was my favorite of the night because I really enjoyed each film, but this I thought was such a high point to start on. As soon as it kicks off, you're in it. Yeah. I was immediately sucked into it. I loved it. I'm blown away. I'm so excited to see more of his work. Very cool. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I really like this movie as well. I believe this was all a first time watch for us. And uh, yeah, this, this movie was absolutely great. Loved every second of it. Like you said, right from the get go, it's just nonstop action, nonstop comedy in a lot of ways too. Yeah, the sets, the miniatures, the colors, the wardrobe, everything about it is so wonderful. I've seen more movies that he's produced than directed. So he worked with John Woo a lot in the 80s on the Two Better Tomorrow films. He produced The Killer. He produced the original Iron Monkey. Sure. Some familiarity. As far as this film goes, yeah, I, I like this. There's a later film by, I think, Ronnie Yu that this film reminded me of. Obviously, this one came first, but Bride with White Hair. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that fantastical, like, wuja fantasy. I really enjoyed it. I do think that this movie has some problems with pacing, but I uh, overall, I think it's a great time. Just real quick, I'll, I'll go over the quick synopsis here. In the 5th century, constant civil war scars Western China. To escape death, tie a young scout jumps through a crevice in the zoo mountains where he gets entangled in a great battle against the blood demon, a supernatural natural entity seeking to wreak havoc upon the world. You know, it's, I think that's a very simplified approach there. Can I ask you something? Sure. What to you makes us a stoner action film? If I was high, I mean, I had a great time watching it straight, but all these films I picked, I have heard from other stoners that these are movies that they prefer. And yes, I think being high, it would even elevate it because of a lot of the insanity that's on the screen, the comedy that's presented, the colors, and the action. I think it all amounts to, while someone being under the effects of drugs would only heighten the film. And I think this movie very much achieves in, uh, in all those aspects. All of these are really short, too, just to get that out mm -hmm. of the way. I think that they're all right around 90 minutes. Yep. And this one, it just flew by for me. I don't know. I'm interested to hear the pacing issues that you, you have with it. For me, I thought this was a really tight movie. I am, too. I have, like, yeah. a, a little issue with the ending as far as it felt very abrupt for the conflict. Overall, like, I really liked the pacing of it. I think that it feels a lot longer than an hour and a half. I think once you get past... The first act, I think the film peaks in the first act. I think the most interesting stuff in the movie is the the romance of the Three Kingdoms, like the Civil War stuff, the comedy with Sammo Hung. I find that to be the top stuff in the film. I also love the set piece directly after that, where he's in the old hut and the ghosts are attacking before he meets the, the hero. That sequence is phenomenal. It reminded me a lot of like Sam Raimi's direction from Evil Dead has like this nice energy to it. But I feel like nothing that comes after that is as good as that stuff. So I think maybe that's why it feels a little oddly paced. We, so one of the guys gets in, 
infected with the demon. They have to take him to this temple to heal. So then they resolve that. Five minutes later, another guy has that happen to him. So they have to go back to the temple. And it just felt very repetitive to me in that sense. And felt like they were kind of spinning their wheels until they got to the end of the film. So I think some things kind of drag out. I think a lot of the third act is so condensed that it goes by so quickly that it, it just didn't feel as fleshed out. The uh, the woman sidekick character that comes into play in the third act, it's really, like she doesn't really have much to do, but she's treated like a main character. She should have been in the film where they pick her up from the temple and she's a part of everything then. And it, it It's very much like the three of them. So, because they're all like the underdogs mm-hmm. for the they're the great warriors right. that they're following. So, yeah, I wish that she was in it more. Based. Yeah, I kind of like the repetitiveness because to me it kind of lends more into the comedy. Like, absolutely. it's so absurd. Yeah, I mean, I could have lived with this thing for like another 30 to 45 <laughs> I minutes. I could have too. See, you guys say that and I think that that kind of illustrates what I'm trying to say as well with the pacing that you guys said you could live longer in this world. Well, and I think that would make a better film and I don't think it would feel any longer to me if it was that long, but like better pace. Like, I get what you're saying. I was loving it so much that yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't have cared if it was longer. Like I just, I was, I was loving what I was watching. So I just like, I'd, I wouldn't have cared how long it was if it kept showing me what it was showing. Just that very ending conflict. I did expect it to take longer and I was bummed that the movie was over. I, I wanted it to just keep going. I end. never really felt the length at, on my end. The set pieces here are just, out of this world how much did this movie cost because it had to be a small budget and this it is so crazy everything that's on screen every set the temple looks awesome yeah. the little hut that they're fighting in mm-hmm. the like underground church temple thing looks crazy cool there's definitely i mean you can see big trouble in little china yeah yeah there's one shot in particular where the ending fight with lupin and big trouble there's like this weird statue thing with a throne right. in it and there's like that exact shot with the yep. underworld king that was an awesome set yep. piece it also so the uh, cool. absolutely also the, the little ghosts got oh, ghost yeah. guys at, at the in that first uh hut scene we were talking about yeah, and the um the, just the ghost in general every weird other worldly thing in this looks so crazy whenever they're they before they get into the temple demon that looks like i forget her name but the the main girl in the temple but what do they call her priestess the priestess yes that whole segment of her in the water because it's a demon that's pretending to be her looks so crazy cool the energy of this film is really high energy there's stuff like it but it's just the entire time it's like it didn't let up yeah that's it's a non-stop action fest that's that's one of the appeals for me absolutely Chinese action films, in particular those from 70s and 80s, are are one of my goals to watch more of this year. One thing I always enjoy so much is just watching the talent displayed on the screen, the way bodies move in space, how acrobatic these action stars are. It just blows my mind. They look so good with what they're doing. Like It sounds like I'm objectifying. I just mean like they all look so good with the the choreography that's happening yeah you know stacy you mentioned samuel hung and i've known his name for a long time but i i haven't really watched any major of his major movies and you'd mentioned that we've seen a few things that he's been like mm-hmm. smaller characters in but this i feel like this was one of the first films i'd actually seen his 
body in motion and he's a bigger man but to to watch a man of his size do the things he can do with his like that, body is insane i do wish he was in it a little bit more <laughs> i do too, too. he's a- yeah i mean that that's a big thing for me is i feel like the energy in the first act like he brings a lot of that i would have been really fine if because I didn't know anything about the source material for this. So when you popped this in, I was just out of my mind loving this. It was like Abbott and Costello in Romance of the Three Kingdoms. <laughs> like, phenomenal. That's a really good description of what it is at the beginning. So, like, those first, like, 20 minutes, I just ate all that up. And the Demon House after that, I thought it was great. And it's just like, oh, oh, Sam L. Hung, he's not coming back. That's sure. a bummer. Sure. But yeah, he he's great in this. He's he's in like almost all the Jackie Chan films. He's in a few of the Bruce Lee films. He he's a legend, and he directed a lot of movies himself as well. And he had a cop show on CBS, I believe. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about in particular about this film before we move on? I sh- I should mention real quick. Didn't say who stars in this movie because I'm very bad at pronouncing names. So I can try my best. Ewan. Biao, Sammo Hung, Adam Ching, Moon Lee, Meng Hoi, and Bridget Lin. I'm close enough there, so I apologize for any mispronunciations there. In case you're wanting to know, the show was called Martial Law. It's on CBS. I believe it came on around the same time as Walker, Texas Ranger. And I think he was on an episode of Walker. I don't know if it's a tie-in, but it ran for 44 episodes. So what, like two, three seasons? 98 to 2000, two seasons. Mm-hmm. Martial Law. Lovely. Arsenio Hall was in it as well. Count it. Well, are we ready to move on to film? Oh. No, go ahead. No, sorry, just one more thing. So Hark did a kind of a remake of this film. I think it's just yes. called Zoo Warriors. It came out in early 2000s, 2002, 2003. I'm very excited to watch that. I think it's more serious tone. I'm excited just to watch more of his films in general. I really yeah. was blown away by this one. I loved every second of it. Yeah, just real quick on Shu here. He, a lot of his films have been hard to find here in the States. Some of them are being put out here and there. As we talked about, Once Upon a Time in China, Criterion put out that box set. A few of his others, he did one called The Green Snake. Heard good things about. It's from the 90s, isn't it? Indeed. Uh, also, Peking Opera Blues from the 80s. He did a better Tomorrow 3, Love and Death in Saigon. Double Team is great. Double Team's a good time. He did a few movies with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, I believe, in the 90s. Black Mass 2 came over here. That was a... I don't think it was as big, but sure. I, I recall... Was it Tarantino's line from... Do you remember this? Like in the late 90s, Tarantino yeah, brought over sound. like a bunch of Asian films yes. with yeah, like yeah. Miramax. Yeah. So yeah, you know, he's he's made at least 50 movies, if not more. And I think he was given the nickname the as the Spielberg of uh, of China before. So take that for, for what you will. <laughs> I like when directors get that moniker because isn't Dario Argento known as the Spielberg of Italy? But like those films are like insanely you know, popular over that's, there. That's my guess why they get those nicknames is just because they make movies that make money. <laughs> my make them laugh moment here is just Sammo Hung and Yun Biao, their fight against each other is really great. And uh, just Sammo has like perfect comedic timing. So like he, he made me laugh very much. The whole movie made me laugh, to be honest. I mean, I could pick out basically any scene but that's what i'll go with as far as that goes 
my high moment, I'll just say that it would be the long eyebrow man mm. and has his uh, hair grows and is trying to hold off a huge rock demon uh, from bursting. Uh, and he's doing it basically the whole middle half of the film. My low point, I don't have one because I, I, I love this movie and I thought it was kind of a masterpiece, so. Okay, hi, I guess I just listed everything. I said sets, hair, colors, <laughs> action, comedy. I said this is very, has a lot in line with Sam Raimi's direction, at least for the first half. My low, the ending conflict felt a little too brief, but I'm not mad about it. I even said that in my notes. It was like, I'm not upset. I still loved it. I would have watched more. And then my make them laugh. This is a really small thing. Towards the end, whenever they're uh, getting all their colors together and they're getting ready to go uh, yeah. do the final fight, there's a wardrobe change where they're in like these coveralls, flowing hair. They look like they both got blowouts and That's they true. just like jump up in these coveralls. My high point is going to be the first act, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms comedy. Samuel Hung, love that guy. My low point, the pacing. I think that it could have benefited from either maybe a little bit more runtime or a little bit more focus and might make them laugh just to be a little bit different. I really enjoyed the scene near the middle of the movie when they're in the uh, celestial palace. Yeah. The, the healing place mm -hmm. and the women are picking on the two underlings. They shame the women or something and the women like force them to slap each other. But the one mm, yeah. guy won't slap his brother. That's right. So the guy just starts slapping himself. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really good. good I forgot about that segment. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So funny. Oh, I do have a question for, yeah. for you. Um, Stacey, would you meet your sword with Nolan to save the world and Longbrow from the Blood Demon? I really think the question should be Nolan because if anybody was to neg on this, it would be him. No one. I mean, I, I do what I gotta do to save the world. Okay, that's fair. Do you mean that though? <laughs> He's like, like if it was thought, if it was strenuous or inconvenient, would you? I mean, I don't know until I'm put in that situation. If I'm being honest, would you wear those coveralls at least? Yeah, that's a good look. Yeah. Well, uh, I would highly recommend that movie. I uh, and uh, I have the Eureka Blu-ray, so it was an import. I don't know that it is available on Blu-ray here in the States, but I'm sure if you look hard enough, you can find the film streaming somewhere. After that lovely piece of action filmmaking, we've moved on to our second film of the night. This was the Western, the stoner Western here. We've got 1975's Rancho Deluxe, directed by Frank Perry. Jack and Cecil are two of a kind. They like to think of themselves as the last of the plainsmen. What they really are is a half-caste Indian and a misfit cowboy. Two rustlers determined to hustle their share of Rancho Deluxe and grab as much of the action as they can handle. Jack McKee and Cecil Coulson are two bumbling drifters who make a living by wrestling cattle from other people's herds in the wilds of Montana. Jack is from a wealthy background but left his parents as he resented their, pash, uh, I'm sorry, their posh lives. Cecil 
as a Native American half-breed seeking his own path in life away from his father. Both hustle and rustle their way in the world by targeting cattle owned by wealthy ranch owner John Brown. Frustrated that someone is killing his cattle, John hires a pair of ranch hands, Bert and Kurt, to find the rustlers. When Brown realizes he cannot trust his two inept ranch hands, he turns to the grizzled former rustler, Henry Beige, to find the cattle thieves, while Jack and Cecil are always one step ahead of them, not realizing that their luck will eventually run out sometime. So, in this film we have Jeff Bridges, Sam Waterston, Elizabeth Ashley, Clifton James, Slim Pickens, Charlene Dallas, Harry Dean Stanton, Richard Bright, and uh, I have to also mention Joe Spino. And I think that's a pretty good rundown of the cast there. So, sorry for that long letterboxed summary. Rancher Deluxe is a movie that uh, I really quite like. It's a takedown of the Old West, if you will. A slow burn of a movie. Um, very low stakes movie. Uh, but one that I found quite funny and uh, really enjoyed my time with it. How about you guys? I This one is a very slow burn. While I liked your curation, I liked each movie. This is one that, coming off of Zoo Warriors, because we're talking about these in order of how we watch them, so I think coming off of that high for me, this was kind of a, a jolt a little bit. Just that tone shift. Yeah, it's a very different uh, yeah, yeah. style Which, of filmmaking. Yeah, it would be hard <laughs> to find anything to like pair that up with anyways. Sure. Maybe I should have started with this one. <laughs> no, I don't know. I But it it's sandwiched in between two films that have a lot of chaotic mm -hmm. energy it's true. Yeah. so i think that not only like what we followed it or what we what it was following and then what we followed it yeah. up with i felt the length of this one more than the other two and it's just it's a slower film it's mm -hmm. just different i liked a lot of this i have some problems with it i really liked the direction i liked there's a, so much i enjoyed about the way it looked and the focus of things my issue is more there are parts that I feel like anything dealing with sex in this goes on too long for me. <laughs> it feels awkward, but honestly, that might just be the point. Maybe sure. it should feel awkward because <laughs> this is kind of a mumblecore film. Yeah. For, I mean, before that was even a, a yeah. subgenre. So maybe that's intentional. And it just, it made me feel very awkward anytime there's sexual things happening, which normally I don't feel awkward about at all. But yeah, there's, there's, there's stuff that goes on for so long, yeah. and it feels, like, so out of place. It was so bizarre to me. There's a, yeah, a scene with, uh, with Jeff Bridges and uh, his lady. Well, uh, and then later on with Harry Dean, there's a blowjob that goes on for oh, yeah. a really long time. That's and right. even before that, there's a lot of tongue, just tongue licking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And licking in mouths and on lips. And yeah. I just didn't expect it to go on for so long. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like this movie. <laughs> There's some on paper. This movie should be good. It's Jeff Bridges doing a counterculture film. It's kind of like Stay Hungry, it but it feels it's, a lot like Stay Hungry. But it is the worst version of that. As far as like a takedown of the Western genre, it's like Blazing Saddles came out a year earlier. That's a funnier, faster movie with a better Slim Pickens. Like I just this is the longest ninety film, minute film ever made. Like, this feels like, like, if David Lean made a film that was awful, this is, that is the length here. I found this film to be a little excruciating. It's very boring. 
the bits that I did like did not outweigh the, and it's weirdly racist, like makes jokes about racism, but then has equally awful garbage racist things in it. it it's like a weird lack of awareness. I, I, I didn't dig this movie. Well, that is fair. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and keep pouring my love for it. I do want to talk real quick. You mentioned Perry's direction. Beautifully photographed film, expertly framed, blocked, composed, stunning on-location photography. 99% of Hollywood directors working now don't have as much talent as Perry has in his pinky. I've only seen a few of his films, this and The Swimmer, and I just, I wowed. There's this action set piece with a truck and a helicopter that just blew me away. Just how dangerous that is and how well it was exec executed just blew my mind. That was one of my favorite points of the movie. I, I rewatched this movie a couple days ago with the commentary by uh, Nick Pinkerton and, and a few things that I wanted to share from that. Uh, he does talk about the difference, the film being about the difference between the, the New West and the Old West. The New West basically becoming an imitation of itself the West is dead. A few other things that I found interesting in, in that commentary, he talked about the rifle that, that Bridges and Waterston use here to kill the cattle is the same rifle that was used that wiped out most of the buffalo herds of the U.S. in the late 1800s, which I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, Sam Waterston, obviously he plays a Native American here, and he is not a Native American and, but this was not the first time that Waterston played a Native American character. He also played one in the play adaptation of Buffalo Bill and the Indians in 1970, which would later be uh, made into a movie by Robert Altman. So just a couple facts there that I found pretty interesting about the movie. Um, yeah, so uh, anything you guys want to say? I've got a few other things I wrote down that I liked, but... Yeah, just the Sam Watterson character. And Sam Watterson's fine in this. Like, he, he is good. Jeff is good. Um, I like the cast a lot. I think the acting's great. Obviously, Radiant Stanton is wonderful. It is very, very weird to, to what you were talking about, where they do make a joke in this, where a police officer is talking to one of the ranchers, and they make a joke about a black man. Somebody's complaining about a crime. These are dumb hillbilly western you know whatever yokels oh, yeah so it's like the uneducated well i get it was probably a black person that did this thing to you like just ignorance well, and, they both and like it's played for it. laughs yeah yeah so there's that joke in the film and then joe spinell yeah just him and sam watterson playing indigenous people brown face on him no, again it doesn't matter like how much or how long it's in there so sam watterson is playing a indigenous person he doesn't have like he he just looks like he got like he was tan joe they put like black around his eyes and he's got very weird it's a weird texture yeah they, it's, they do it's like the little big man like that like yeah. They do stippling on yeah, the uh, The HD did not make the makeup no. uh, better. No, no, no. We'll put it that way. And I'm not saying that Joe was made for HD anyways, but it is... <laughs> it is I mean, I love him. He's but, a porous man. But it was... This movie makes a very pointed joke about racism. Then to have like this in the movie, it feels a little ignorant. Not to bog this film down yeah, like you a know, negative thing. It was one of those things that 
I mean, whenever you see something that is just inherently racist, it kind of, for me, I kind of get that ping in my head that I'm just like, mm. Well, I, I guess, I mean, to be fair, like, we are seeing it through the lens of 2022 oh, yeah, goggles. Yeah. America didn't, we weren't really as concerned about indigenous people until, like, the last few years, Washington football team. Yeah, and that's my whole thing is, obviously, I don't um, endorse what they did or anything like that. These things tended to happen still in, in, in through the 80s. So, again, not excusing them. And they are issues, but they did happen, and uh, I'm I'm fine with watching it and and enjoying the movie. But uh, let's not make yeah. same mistakes again. I just wanted to make sure that we again. I don't want to bog down the conversation with like all about like this racial issue, and we're probably yeah. not even the people to talk about. But since it is a thing in this film, I just wanted to make sure we spoke on it because it was I don't know, not startling, but it was just it was weird. Oh, it's a part of the movie I actively dislike. Yeah. Like, I thought it was comically bad. They toned down later on with the... It, but it, there's, like, a point at the very beginning whenever Jeff and Sam are talking their characters where they keep referencing that he's an Indian. For, through the first hour of the film. Yeah, and it's kind of weird. Like, they, it almost like they're trying like... to convince the audience, like, well, this isn't just, like, a New Englander, you know, white dude. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, it is. But they, it did feel like it was very forced of, you need to know that this is an indigenous person. Yeah, we, we need you to believe that this is a uh, an Indian here, so we're going to keep saying that yeah. he's an Indian. But it does, if you watch this, it does lay off of that towards the, like, once you get to the half of the film, it it's not like that on the back half. So, sure. and I, there's still plenty, again, like Nolan said, the cinematography, there's so much that I really did enjoy, and I think the acting is great. It's just... <laughs> it is. It feels like a mumblecore film from mm -hmm. this time period. It's that's the only way I can describe it. Where the, it's not like I just loved the film because it made me feel awkward in some places, but I also feel like that's intentional. And it did have a lot in common with. There's a scene that almost feels like it was ripped out of this film in Stay Hungry, where the dinner scene with the girl and they have a fight. Her, her and Jeff Bridges. Mm -hmm. It feels there's a scene that's exactly like that in Stay Hungry. So. Um, that I feel like that would be a good companion to Rancho sure. Deluxe. Uh, I'm going to name a few things here through, throughout the film that I enjoyed. Uh, as I said, that this is kind of a low stakes film, which I really enjoyed. Jeff Bridges has a polka dot hat that is exuberant. Jeff Bridges also has a dog face mask that I found quite funny. As Melanie talked about earlier, we had a sex scene with Elizabeth Ashley and Bridges. Long sex. Bridges a bit bored. Puts back on the dog face mask after climax. LOL. Really enjoyed Harry Dean Stanton here. His dry comedy was delightful for me. Uh, we have obviously Jimmy Buffett uh, doing the music here. We get a another one of the standout scenes for me where they go to a bar. Jimmy Buffett and his band actually perform at this bar in the film. And then another high point would be Bridges and Stanton... Uh, playing Pong in a scene I, I thought was another standout and strong composition that I really enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, as I mentioned before, the helicopter and truck action scene chase is daringly staged, immaculately crafted in my opinion. And Slim Pickens is a comedic star as well. And then the last thing I was wanted to say is... Uh, this film basically kind of sunk the career 
of director Frank Perry due to mixed reviews and less than desired box office. So this was kind of the end of his run. He would go on to make films that uh, he did not get budgets for. His, I guess, now his most successful, but not at the time, is he did Mommy Dearest, I believe, in the 80s, which people look on as a cult classic of yeah, sorts and now. that's one I would actually really, I don't know if I'd want to do a whole show on, but I would like, I don't know, maybe write about her or something, but that is a film that I think is very interesting. Isn't but that it's, a notoriously awful movie? Yeah. No, that's the thing, is like people... I have a weird relationship because me and my mom watched it a lot, which is even weirder. There's a lot to unpack for me, but <laughs> I want to watch it again as an adult so I can, I don't know, reassess. Cool. Anyways, but The Swimmer <laughs> is great. If you haven't seen The Swimmer, you have to. I have not seen it. Uh, swimmer is, yes, I agree, yeah. Melanie. It's it's so good. I and, would like to see it. And uh, there's a few of his early movies I would like to watch as well. Um, but yeah, so... Someone I, I would like to explore a little more. This is both his films I've enjoyed that I've seen. I will go for my uh, comedic moment here is just Jeff Bridges and his dog face mask. Uh, I really enjoyed that. It's random. It means nothing to the movie other than just, I feel like if I was high, I would laugh even harder than it I did. It kind of looks like Clifford the Big Red Dog. It does. Mask. It's and very weird. I don't know if that's It's got the weird. mouth cut off, cut yeah. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> And it got me, especially when you put it on after they had sex. So that got me. My high point of the film is the helicopter and truck action scene. And uh, my low point is obviously the racism. And then also, I, I think there's a couple moments of high drama that don't necessarily fit the film at times but especially with, there's a scene with jeff bridges and and his ex uh girlfriend even though i think the scene means a lot in in the context of the film by showing the dynamics of bridges life matched with sam watterson's life but just that scene i found to be a little strange uh, between totally. yes yeah so there, the, there's some moments like that that hold this back from like being a great movie to for me to being a, a movie that I think is good. Yeah, yeah. The that's the scene I was talking about that feels like sure. something out of Stay Hungry. It yes, just, it, and it doesn't tonally for the rest of the film. It doesn't match. I agree. I will say my high. I love the ending, the wrap up of all of this. The with Harry Dean Stanton and his partner, how they kind of get swindled into this thing, and the boys being on the. A ranch penitentiary mm, lot yeah. with the horses. I I thought it was a really, I wouldn't even say clever. I just enjoyed it. I like the mm -hmm. way it all wraps up at the end. It's tidy. I Slim Pickens' turn also is yeah a very lovely it's touch. Really funny. I again, there's some the comedy at the end works for me. I liked it. Low definitely Joe's makeup <laughs> make him laugh. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there's a scene. I forget if they're all eating together and. The one lady who is being a caretaker to Slim Pickens. Yes. And she randomly starts singing at yep. dinner. It's another thing that it yep. is so weird <laughs> and it does not make any sense. She just goes into a full on weird like main character moment where she just starts singing to herself and everyone at the table. And it made me laugh so hard, but it made me so uncomfortable. True. There's so much stuff like that in this film where I was just like, I feel so uncomfortable <laughs> right now. 
I'm gonna say the Pong scene. I I think it's the best filmmaking on display in the film. Yeah, it's really cool looking. Yeah, like, and I like that he he frames it in the reflection of that arcade cabinet, and it's a nice like reflection of the times, being in the mid seventies. Yeah, I I like that scene a lot, I like and the like dialogue. both of their both of those actors are really good, in the movie. So yeah, Pong scene. My low point is gonna be most of the film. The weird racism, just the, just bad movie. If Robert Altman made like a really bad movie, it's like this style. Let's see, my make him laugh. I'm going to go with Joe Spinell's makeup. Like it's so goofy and offensive that you can't help but laugh at just, like when he pops up, he's just laying in bed in a side shot in a close up, and you just see that really bad makeup. It's like, oh, they, they did that. They thought this was a good choice. This, do you have of this? I don't know if you said already. Yes, I would like to mention that. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, this is from Fun City Editions. They're kind of a new Blu-ray company. And uh, this is a lovely looking disc. And Yeah, uh, the picture looked really good. Looked good. There's a commentary. There's interviews and a booklet as well. Um, I think they're, a, they're their own company, but they sell through Vinegar Syndrome. So you can find their discs there and obviously on probably like Amazon or whatever. But uh, yeah. If uh, you're a fan of this movie or interested, I would highly recommend it. All right. Are we ready to move on to the third and final film of the evening? I surely am. The third film I picked here is our stoner comedy. And for this one, I picked 2019's The Beach Bum, directed by Harmony Corinne. It all stops now. The foolishness. You got to publish your novel. And if you mess this up, it's jail time. Uh, Wish me luck. I'm off to write the next great American novel. I may have a gangbang when I get back. I will invite your mother. Thank you, Mr. Mundog. I'm trying to uncover my connection with the world. Just follow me, my friend. <laughs> Let's go, man. Is he a good pilot? Mom, man, you got glaucoma in both his eyes. It's perfect. <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. Let's hit it, baby. Stop damn! Yeah. He was acting like a little fuckboy for a minute. Yeah. You wanna shoot something, shoot this shit here. Okay. Now I gotta feed my coke-addicted parent. Yeah, yeah, set him up. <laughs> you gotta go low to get high. An irreverent comedy about the misadventures of Moondog, a rebellious stoner and lovable rogue who lives large... Here we have Matthew McConaughey, Snoop Dogg, Isla Fisher, Jimmy Buffett, Zac Efron, Martin Lawrence, uh, Jonah Hill, Stephanie Levy Owen, and I think that's probably pretty good. So, uh, The Beach Bum, uh, this was a second watch for me, a uh, comedy that I quite enjoy, and uh, I had to pick it because I thought, what better way to end the night than just feeling good and laughing and having a nice solid time with friends. So uh, I thought this was a fun movie to end on. So it's, it's a, a movie that I, yeah, I, I love watching. Agreed. This is, this is also my second viewing. This would be my favorite of the bunch. I conceptually, I really enjoy this film. So this was what he did after Spring Breakers, right? Yes. Okay. 
So Spring Breakers is kind of like this art house comedy, but it, it's a little out there. This one, I felt conceptually, it very much plays like a 90s comedy, kind of like a comedic odyssey. You know, the, the character has a quest to go on. Sure. And you get some weird cameos and just some funny bits, as you would in like an Adam Sandler film. Mm-hmm. But he shoots it very similar to Spring Breakers. So it's like this art house comedy, but at a base level, it's just a 90s stoner film. This was a first time watch for me, and I have not seen Spring Breakers yet. I feel like when this came out, people were not down on it, but they just, it seemed like everyone, the consensus was Spring Breakers is the better film, but The Beach Bum is perfectly fine. I kind of like that I got to see The Beach Bum first. Everything that you just said, it does play like a traditional 90s stoner comedy, whatever. But I also think that it has this underlining just sincerity and sweetness to it. It is such a genuine film, and there's so much that I love that kind of... We were watching this with a group of friends, and one of them mentioned, oh, I bet at the end he's going to get his act together, quote-unquote, and like clean up. I love that that doesn't happen in the way that you think it's going to happen. In a way, yeah, but also he is still Moondog 100%. Yep. He does it his love, way. Yeah, I love that. But I was... This was the perfect movie to end the night on. It was a great, especially Mm -hmm. friends celebrating your birthday. It was so good. In a weird way, it's just such a feel-good film. It's hilarious. I love the colors. I love Matthew McConaughey, like this renaissance of him being just like kind of himself and everything. (laughs) Full-on country fried. I'm so for it. (laughs) So for it. But I loved it. I thought it was a great pick. That, uh, that warms the old heart here. <laughs> so uh, I enjoy him, like McConaughey in this. He basically has a shirt off the whole time. And like, That's great. he does. I mean, he's just living his best life, quote unquote, here. And uh, this is a movie where Snoop Dogg is a good actor in. For me, uh, and, and this will be apparent in my picks, but uh, Zach Efron, who. I find an adorable man. I have always loved some Zac Efron. But, you know, he is actually very funny here in his short. I wish we had more of him in the film. That, but, it, you know. That's one of my category picks. Sure. <laughs> and the, the film plays out like kind of a series of vignettes in a way as Moondog's kind of going on his uh, journey here. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that he runs into these kind of random characters along the way such as life but yeah Zeke Afron here I think has great uh, comedic chops and he looks fabulous he does. <laughs> his haircut gets me really. the haircut the vaping <laughs> yeah. the creed mm-hmm. the love of creed so desperately Absolutely. yeah um it's just a complete yeah. package it is it, it's the, the, the facial hair the... yeah yeah doesn't he even he even has the lines cut in the he, facial he hair in the beard. yeah yeah, yeah. mm-hmm Great stuff. He loves Creed. And yeah. he talks about it in a thing. Like, he just discovered this. Like, this is yeah. the best rock. Well, but at this point, it's right. like 15 years old <laughs> yeah. from, like, their prime. Like, this is, like, kind of... I mean, if you think about mm-hmm. it, it's like, what, almost classic rock. That's true. And it wasn't good then. No. I just love yeah that bit of his character. It's, it's a great choice. It's... uh 
it reminded yeah. me of walking into my older brother's room in the like <laughs> early 2000s of him just like whenever he's blaring that song yeah. and he's like they're so good they're so like yeah. <laughs> it's just like this is this but, is like, too much that character's not at an age to have done that in 1999 right. when that album came Abs- out absolutely yeah. not so that's why i think it's even better it's like dude it, had to go out of his way to like find this music that spoke to him it's really funny. It's an, it's another yeah. layer to it. It's it, so funny. Absolutely. It it what's yes. I'm sorry. No, I just no. feel like it's so smart because the obvious joke if you're doing something like that is like fucking Nickelback or something. Sure. The fact that it's like you went back even further mm-hmm. to the Creed. It like I just so think it makes the his, character funnier for his Christian, his That's born right. again yeah. attitude. It's yeah. so good. Absolutely. One of the, one of the genius things about this movie is just you know each. Each person he meets along the way, uh, he, he, McConaughey is such a lovable person in this that he accepts each person for who they are, no matter how ridiculous they come across on the screen. He just wants to hang out and fuck some shit up. And I love that people meet him the same way, where everybody takes him as he is, mm-hmm. and there's yep. not too much of trying to change him really. Absolutely. Like, people, mm-hmm. they fully respect his writing and everyone thinks he's a genius. It's all a consensus to everybody and everyone wants him to succeed so badly, Mm -hmm. but nobody wants him to, you know, all of a sudden get like nine to five hours and wear a suit. Like they want him to be Moondog fully. Absolutely. And I think my favorite part of that is his, him and Isla Fisher's relationship. Yeah. It's such a good relationship. Like they, they kind of live apart half the year. It seems he just goes down to his little, his condo on the beach and, you know, she's up sleeping with Snoop Dogg at the yep. mansion, and it's like he just cruises back in yep. the shitty boat. And he's and banging waitresses in he, the back of restaurants. Yeah, and she's banging Snoop, and, like, they're mildly aware. Like, there's a scene yep. where, like, he becomes fully aware of the situation, sure. and you keep, it keeps setting, for me, it kept setting me up to think, like, oh, is there going to be drama in this? There never really is. Yep. Not really. No, he, he doesn't care that... Like, that's going on. Because he's doing the same yeah. thing. It's a relationship that works for the both. Like, it's two characters that are perfect for one another because yeah. they fully understand each other. But they fully love each other, too. Yeah. Like, fully are in love with each other. Yeah. And both of them like the arrangement. Yeah. And it's just fine the way and it is. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Spoilers ahead. For, for those who haven't seen The Beach Bum, go watch it. I, I do find it a bit heartbreaking when she passes in the film. And, and the way she does is kind of perfect for for the for the Their movie lifestyle. it's yeah. just like you think she's fine and then no <laughs> well it, yeah. it's also i i also think it's good that like she was the one driving mm-hmm. like there's no guilt on moon dog because i think that could have bogged down the character they could have bogged that down they they could have made it a whole dramatic Everything. thing where snoop dog or his or family mm-hmm. was pissed everyone's relationship you again it keeps setting you up oh maybe this is gonna be a rocky thing and it never is the daughter is marrying this idiot who's milk toast. Like he's right. just lame mm-hmm. and everybody's dunking Limp on dick. him. That's yeah. what they call him. Everybody is dunking on him during the ceremony. And you get this moment with Isla Fisher and their daughter and she's asking about her father and she's like, your dad's a genius. You just have to accept like that is the way it is. Mm-hmm. That's the way he is. And it's great. And it's completely sincere. So then after he kind of pulls his shit together and the way that he can pull his shit together and gets his book out. And later, his daughter comes back to him and says, Mom thought you were a genius. And, like, it's very sweet. A full circle mm-hmm. moment where it's, like, his daughter fully accepts him, too, for how he is. 
and could have been mad about him ruining her wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's never dramatic. Absolutely. I, I And real quick, not that it matters that much, but just the, the setup here I think is pretty genius too, where after she passes, you know, he's, they've got, they've got a lot of money, a big yeah. mansion, everything. And basically Moondog learns that, uh, he had to, for him to keep living the way he was, um, to inherit because she was the she was the she was the one that had money the one so that had money in the he's relationship a successful writer, yeah which writers don't make a ton of money right but he was successful she was the one that had the estate yeah so she has a shit ton of money yep and so the way the will is set up is yes she's happy for him to have the estate and you know keep living his life and getting high and doing whatever and fucking whoever he wants mm-hmm. but she's also like you have to release your book yeah so she sets it up to where if he doesn't release his book within a year is that what it is i think that's right that mm-hmm. yeah the estate is does it go to the daughter or is it just is it lost i think it's just actually i don't remember it gets dissolved basically he's, I, he's gonna get cut off completely. yeah he's gonna yeah. get cut off if he doesn't finish his book in a year uh so that leads us to this this year of uh of his journey and finding quote-unquote finding himself and it does feel like it's just a stoner odyssey yeah absolutely it's a great time again i i love this movie so much and i'm glad that uh, we got to all experience it together because it was a fun way to end the night yeah martin lawrence absolutely uh martin <laughs> i just love his his whole tirade talking about his business where he's just like mm-hmm. Like, well, I've only had five deaths. And it's like a tour. It's like, it's like the ducks in Branson, a tourist thing. That's like, right. Oh, you should be shut down. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, so he, you know, he, he takes this family out to uh, look and, and find dolphins. And <laughs> I love that Moondog's sitting in the back drinking yeah. and swearing and just being so shitty. And, and, the, and like, they, yeah, they not... make him out to be like this really like tight asked kind of family that's yeah yeah man they want to go swim with the dolphins that's, that's the whole right thing is yep. he's taking them out for the dolphins and they they get to an area where they stop the boat and he jumps out <laughs> and it turns out those aren't dolphins it turns out to be a, a <laughs> I just, shark <laughs> i love before he jumps out it cuts to matthew conaghy yeah i don't think those are dolphins willy wonka like no stop mm-hmm. please don't don't, don't do it <laughs> <laughs> it's yep. so funny man yeah it's it's i loved that segment i loved every segment though yeah. i thought there's no part of this that i dislike i agree completely so it's, it's it's a really fun movie yeah my my high point is his vignette with zach efron and uh just living life hard and i love it my low point is not enough Zac Efron. I would have liked him to be in it. Look, I'm not saying the whole movie here, but give me like maybe five to ten more minutes of just them getting into shenanigans together. And then uh, my make them laugh moment, I believe it again involves Zac Efron. I believe Matthew McConaughey and him are... I, they're running, they're doing something, and I believe they smash a... Someone smashes a beer can or something over a homeless man's head. Yeah, that happens. And it made me laugh very hard. Elderly violence. Yeah, so I, I apologize. I got got. And that's really the only, like, dark thing in the movie. Yeah. It took, a, like, a weird violent turn. Nolan was laughing yeah. so hard that everyone else in the room started <laughs> laughing because <laughs> of his laughter. That was an overreaction. <laughs> yeah. It got me good. It was really funny. Yeah. Great movie. My high is just the feeling, and I don't know, just the vibe of this film. 
I love that it is this funny and so sincere. Like, it just got me. I can't think, I cannot think of too many films that have that pairing where Mm -hmm. it's so raw and nasty and ridiculous and funny, but also super authentic and sweet about the human experience. At the end of the day, he's still Moondog and he didn't really change. My love, not enough Zac Efron. I wrote that night. Mm -hmm. That was like my only note on the beach (laughs) bum. I loved it. Not enough Zac. And then uh, my make him laugh, you could pick almost any vignette and pick out your favorite laugh from that, that section of the film. But something that I thought was really funny is whenever he goes home for the first time after however long he's been gone and Isla Fisher's there, it's like cutting to different parts of him just going down on her. At one point, she is standing up looking out at the beach and he just pulls up her dress and is just going down on her again. That's right. That's not in films anyways. <laughs> it kind of is playing with gender roles again. And we didn't talk about it and this is objectifying, but we talked about how great Zac Efron is and how wonderful Matthew McConaughey Isla Fisher is hot as shit, mm-hmm. and she is so legitimately funny, yeah. and also so good at just being good. Yeah. I think she just is so, she comes across as so good. Another person you could, along with Efron, say we need more of in this film. Yeah. Again, her, it it works perfectly for the film, but, I, but, yeah, I think but you, you could have used more of her. I think you get just enough of her sprinkled in the film where it's like she's so good, and then whenever she's gone you feel it so hard and you feel it is heartbreaking mm-hmm. because it's she it's like she's there in such a big way and then just gone it's so sad so someone that you guys haven't mentioned i'll get to my categories soon <laughs> but like jonah hill mm. how do we feel about him in this film i think he's really funny i love the weird accent he's doing and i love how he's dressed i find him an enigma because there's that GQ cover that came out last year where he looks just like the biggest douchebag in the world. I have to wonder, is there an awareness? We what talked, is the real Jonah Hill? Okay, we talked about this during on a pause during the film for a little bit. I like Jonah Hill. People were really shitty to him online. Like, tabloids aren't really a thing anymore, but there's, like, social media tabloids that... there For a while, there was, like, a basically a hit out for a picture of him in a bathing suit. I think that he kind of has the thing where if you're a bigger, funny guy, people think that they can jest about that. And Mm -hmm. it's like, he's a human and he's sensitive about it. So I don't think he's a douchebag. I'm fully for Jonah Hill. The weird, shitty GQ cover. I thought it was funny. I did too. It's just, I didn't know. It's so weird and douchey looking. Yeah. I I was like... He kind of looks like Zac Efron in this, like his older brother. He really does. <laughs> but yeah, I like him in this movie. I, I think he's funny. Yeah. I thought he was funny in it as well. You go ahead. I'm going to say one thing after you. Yeah, well, you okay. So my high point is just conceptually, I, and I spoke about it when we first started talking about this movie. I love that conceptually this is a 90s comedy. Doing a 90s comedy with like some art house pedigree. I, I just think it makes this film very unique and special. As far as a low point goes, uh, I nothing. I would say there some of these actors we don't get enough of: Martin Lawrence, Zac Efron, Jonah Hill. But also, I think that you don't. There's not really any like standout. Like the whole movie's solid. There's not like one sequence that is super just memorable. I don't mean that to dog the film. Like I really like the movie. My make them laugh. I mean, the whole film's really funny. Just Jonah Hill, that accent. It's so weird. <laughs> I like what he's doing. What were you going to say? No. Oh, yeah. 
the Jimmy Buffett connection was on purpose. Now, I will say I didn't know Jimmy Buffett would be appearing in Rancho Deluxe. Obviously, I didn't know he was in Beach Bum. But uh, yes, that was on purpose. They both appear in it and we both get Jimmy Buffett songs. So rock hard, Jimmy Buffett. I think that's it we have out of the movies. Uh, Melanie, do you have a MFK force? I picked someone from each film and I'll, I'll just say what it is. Mary Fuck Kill, Long Brows, <laughs> Slim Pickens, nice. Moondog. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. This is tough. You need someone else to go first? I do. I'm sorry. I'm going to marry Moondog. I think we would have great adventures. I think I could manage a way to keep us still rich. You could manage the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I think I could be... Like, I won't be as fucked up as him, but, like, I'll still ride that train and, like, we'll have a good time. We have that open relationship. I'm going to fuck Longbrows. And, you know, I'm not, like, typically someone that's, you know, I don't like a lot of hair, but, uh, you know, he can do stuff with it. I mean, he could use it as kind of like a French tickler. I'm going to kill Slim Pickens. Nothing against Slim Pickens. It's just, you know, that movie. <laughs> this is hard because I, I love and embrace all three characters, but um, I'm going to marry Slim Pickens. I like what he's doing. And he's a swindler. And he... There's a stable security Absolutely. There. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be my provider. He knows what he's doing. I'm going to get on. I'm going to I'm going to take the girl's place, obviously, and uh, be his uh, like caretaker, his caretaker. And uh, that helps him pull off these shenanigans. So, uh, yeah, we'll have a nice life together. I guess I'm going to F Moondog. Uh, I love Moondog. And uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be a fun lay. What can you say? And sadly, I'm going to kill Longbrow. You'll Just, try. I'll try to kill Longbrow. I'll, I'll fail. <laughs> But I'm going to try to kill him. I have nothing against him, and he's obviously good in the world in which he lives. But I just, I find no use for him for me specifically. Okay. So I think that's where I'm at. I want to marry Longbrow. Nice. Because here's the thing. I want to live in that world. I want to live mm, in a magical, okay. no, mythical fair. place. And so I'm fully on board for what he's doing. I like that, though, because you... you let him take you into his world where Absolutely. I took him into mine. Exactly. So that was where I went I, wrong. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So to, to think yeah. about it in that way, I want to go there. I want to live. I, wanna... I just took him into bed. I love that mm -hmm. too. That's a good. Very true. I'm definitely going to fuck Moondog because nice. I think by far, if you just want an experience, I think you get some mushrooms. I think you mm -hmm. put some music on like a projector light yep. and like maybe you're on a boat. Maybe you're just out in the ocean. I don't know. And full, full ham on and it. And definitely if, I mean, not... You don't have to be, but I'm just saying if you're into orgies or threesomes or whatever, you're like, going to have whatever you want. That's what I'm saying. In that bed. And I'm not, maybe Longbrow's there too. We don't know, mm -hmm. but I think that Moondog would be fine with whatever happened. Right. So I appreciate that. And then I'm going to kill Slim Pickens again. Yeah. Not, it's just, it's not his fault. R.I.P. Um, Slim. Yeah. Sorry about it, but I do, I do greatly enjoy him. It's just, uh, I don't You had better choices in front him. of you. Yeah. yeah. So. I understand. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, guys, uh, this has been fun. Thank you for uh, letting me get to do this ridiculous concept every year because it's very well, fun. Well, think, 
thanks to your mother and father for mm, yes. having sex and absolutely making you yes thanks. so you can do this and provide this content thanks mom for other people and dad i love you guys yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah uh you know we'll do it again next year and uh until then you know we'll do some shit in between but uh yeah. it's been but fun if you want to listen to our last episode for last year i think it was mausoleum conquest and um hercules, hercules in the haunted, haunted world. world yeah absolutely yeah so yeah this has been uh yeah a great time uh before we go he says i often mispronounce this as cinnamon parlor i love that quite a bit <laughs> that's great uh, and he said that's okay consistently lively conversation about interesting films steered together by three hosts with good chemistry Unique segment, uh, I'm sorry, unique segments to FMK is a novel way to talk about the characters in a film. And I do enjoy hearing what the hosts are drinking at the top of each episode. I don't know if any of them ever worked as bartenders, but it's clear they're not afraid to experiment with booze. We do have a bartender on our show. We surely do. And good beer selection too. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) I was just going to say we drink recreationally. It's more of a hobby. I was a bartender. Yeah. Uh, good beer selection too. Keep your notepads handy. You will feel like you are among friends. Again, thank you, Matt. That was a lovely review, and we appreciate it. Uh, so, anybody who feels like it, give us a, a review and a rating, and we'll read them on if you, air. If you dislike us, give us a review and a rating, and we'll still read it. Absolutely. It'll be- enjoyable that's right uh okay so with that being said you can find us on twitter at cinema parlor you can find us on instagram at cinema parlor uh soundcloud itunes spotify wherever you get your podcasts um yes and rate and review us you can find me personally at chuck madden jr on letterboxd escalator 84 on letterboxd plastic werewolf on all social media so with that being said Thanks for listening, um, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Happy birthday, Nolan. Thank you, thank you. Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze.